Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. You both alive? No. Yes. Ah, Evan, the uh, audience will be happy to hear that you are indeed here. Whenever you're gone for an episode now, they assume that you've either quit or died, which may happen at the same time, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> you sound thrilled. <laughs> well, it's just a Sunday night, you know, I haven't worked since Tuesday. Sunday scaries are kicking in. I don't know what's awaiting me in my inbox. So, you know, just another day. Yeah, you uh, you told us you were going for a uh, cross-country skiing trip, but actually you were taking a jet ski over to Lake Tahoe. <laughs> that, yeah, I'm actually <laughs> gritty if you looked closely enough. You, yeah, you doubled up. You 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 played both events, the the uh, Colorado uh, Vegas game as well as the Boston Philly game. So yeah, yeah, it was so a hell of a weekend. I, for I, you. I will now be known as Stoner Nineteen <laughs> on my jet ski. Uh, I really thought that was an Eisenman jersey to start, but it ended up saying Stoner, and I was like, <sighs> you know, I I don't mind like novelty jerseys that are funny, but I was like, that's a bit of a jersey foul. But it turns out that that's that that's his last name. Oh, that's even worse. No, I think right? that's a, putting your own like, last name is a, is a is a massive faux pas, right? I think it's still a jersey foul, but I think that's way more understandable than someone writing like Stoner but not as their last name on the back of a number 19 Red Wings jersey. It would have been a little bit more comical if it was Stoner 69. I knew that was coming. And then I would've been like, "Oh yeah, it's definitely just a joke." But I guess Stoner's his last name. Well, I mean, I think he gets a pass. That guy's a hero, and we'll talk a little bit more about him in the Lake Tahoe game. Uh, but for now, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Back at full strength again, I am Ryan Hanna. Debatable, I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On today's episode of the podcast, we are talking about a couple of Wings games. The first one, really bad. And then the second one, lots of fun. Uh, some more news in terms of the Red Wings uh, moving up and down. Franz Nielsen was waived today to uh, continue C. Weisman's tradition of periodically just waiving Detroit's worst contracts. Um, Cider is back and dominating the SHL. We'll talk about those Lake Tahoe games. Uh, we'll talk about some other news across the NHL before going into overtime. Um, but first and foremost, uh, I actually want to take, we want to take some time to, um, acknowledge the passing of longtime Red Wings masseur, uh, Sergei Chekmarev, uh, otherwise known as Chika. Um, he passed away suddenly on, I believe it was Friday night. Um, Fox Sports Detroit reported that he passed away of a sudden heart attack and it was, um, really tragic news. It's it's strange to be, you know, talking about a, a team masseur, but for those who have been following the Red Wings for a long time, uh, his name will not have been unfamiliar to you. Uh, he started in 98. He actually came over to the Red Wings. Uh, he used to work for the, the Red Army team, the Soviet Union team, and he came over to the Red Wings in Detroit. Uh, I believe it was Larry Onoff who actually brought him over, and he's been a mainstay. He'd been a mainstay of the organization ever since. You know, He was the masseur, but he also repaired everyone's equipment and just every single story and clip and everything you saw about him over time was just full of like endearing warmth and praise and, and reverence for, for Sergei or Chica. And it's... Uh, 
man, watching that Blashill presser where he announced it after the game, just, you know, that was a gut punch. That was extremely, extremely tough. And I mean, credit to, to Jeff for coming out and, you know, letting everyone know, and that can't have been an easy, uh, com- press conference to have, but, um, yeah, um, you know, condolences to Chica's family and the entire Red Wings organization. You have to imagine not just the players, but the people who work for the team who've known him for decades now, um, they're hurting. So our thoughts go out to, to his family and the organization. So just wanted to take the time to recognize Chica. Yeah, one of the true glue guys of the Red Wings organization. Every every organization has their unsung heroes. And it's, uh, it's a shame Chica didn't get his moment in the spotlight until this circumstance. But seeing the Red Wings reaction, the organization, the players' reactions, I mean... He might have been unsung in the public, but clearly not in the background because he was well loved. Yeah, and you know what? What the uh, it brought like kind of a wry smile to your face was when you would you would hear everyone talking about him. You know, uh, Ken and Mick talking about him, and they, there's obviously sadness in their voices. But Ken doing his impression of Chica's "Hello," like. <laughs> Like you could tell the amount of happiness that guy must have brought to the room when they were able to 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 recount those memories with such happiness and and laughter and yeah yeah it has to be an incredibly tough time and you know just anyhow um, happy that that he was able to positively affect so many lives and it seems like the team and, and everyone are doing a really good job of, of celebrating his legacy. So um, again, our thoughts and, and our prayers go out to, to his family and the team. Okay. Uh, the game that Friday night, let's, so Brad, uh, actually Evan, when you were gone, uh, Brad and I had a, a, the episode where we talked about the two Chicago games where they were both pretty close losses, essentially both one goal losses. And we were talking about how, you know, the Red Wings power play sucked and, and the scoring output wasn't really there, but five on five, you know, they were keeping up and, and they were keeping up with the team they should have kept up with. And they were difficult to play against. And it, it, it wasn't, t- it was actually decent by Red Wings standard hockey. And then they lost seven, two to Florida. Is there, is there a question? No, I just wanted you to know how stupid we sounded when you were. Oh, oh yeah. No, that, that, that you guys definitely uh, willed that one into existence. That's, yeah, yeah, we. That's a classic, like what you think is a good take, and then <laughs> that game happens, <laughs> and one day later, it's such a terrible, terrible take. But it's not your fault. I mean, I was a little too on point with my Christian Juice take two episodes ago that the universe had to balance itself out. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, he got one specifically correct. That's that's rare. Now they're saying the Red Wings are playing well. We'll show them. That's, that's just, uh, if you believe in karma, this is a good example of it. Yeah. <sighs> It was just a bad game all around. Like, of course, a power play. Like, spoiler alert: the Red Wings did not score a power play goal in either game. The the not scoring streak on the power play continues. Um, but that game opened terribly. There is just a comedy of errors all around. What was the only good thing that happened? Like the Bobby Ryan goal, where he slapped it home, and that that was it essentially. That was pretty much it. Val Philpola passed one into the net. That was fun. As this tradition he does that like once every 20 games or something he makes a pass and then uh 
Larkin RKO'd someone. I can't remember who it was. That was hilarious <laughs> to watch. Um, the was entire that- game was was summarized with on the clip of uh, the Red Wings were on the power play down 7-2 late in the game. So by all means, like please just score there and get some kind of victory. And Philpola got the puck in a shooting lane <laughs> and fell over. <laughs> and it went into the corner and Florida actually not only dumped it, but I think they had an odd man rush on the penalty kill. And that was just like a perfect microcosm of the game. Just catches it's not the, Detroit's best. Yep, just catches the puck at the top of the circle. Perfect shooting lane. A shot 90% of NHLers are going to take. And the puck hits Val Philpolis stick and hits it with such force that it knocks him over. It's... Mm, you can't make this stuff up anymore. You really, really can't. That was also the game, too, where there was a moment. Now, thankfully, this story in this episode will have a happy ending but there was a moment in that game where through the bad play of a goaltender some happenstance bounces uh matthias brome found himself in between chris drieger the florida goalie and the net in the crease with the puck and didn't score (laughs) i think that that moment summarized the season for him and and summarized the game for the Red Wings up to that point. Cause it was just, it's one of those things too. He did nothing wrong. It's just one of those fluky plays. Every hockey player knows when you have a bouncing puck, if you don't catch all of it, it's going to propel itself forward. But if you only catch part of it, your stick goes forward faster than the puck does. So he got enough of it to knock it into the net, except it then hit the backside of his own stick on the follow through. So he essentially blocked his own shot into the empty net. (laughs) I just saw that and I'm like, yep. Yep. Like it's that kind of night for a team scoring at a normal rate. That's one where you go, ah, darn, like shoot. We wish we would have scored that one. And then you forget about it by the end of the night. But for Matthias Brome, who up until that point had not had an NHL point and the Red Wings who would have paid really good money for anyone to score, in any manner, that was just like, no, that's this is no, this is a joke. This someone's paying. We're paying for someone's sins right now. This is cosmic. Nothing really makes sense. How does this keep happening? I wish there was more of a takeaway from that game. I wish there was literally anything, but we spent most I spent most of the time in the the Winged Wheel Podcast Patreon Discord just again shooting the shit with listeners because <laughs> that's the only thing fun during games like that. Um, and that was like, that was it. Obviously that was followed by the tough news that we just talked about. And then, uh, we were on to Saturday and, you know, we talked last episode, the Red Wings should be keeping up with teams like the Nashvilles and the Chicago's and, you know, credit to Chicago. They're playing like a much better team than we anticipated they would. Florida coming into the Saturday game had the NHL's best win percentage or points percentage, I should say. So by all rights, they were the Best team in the NHL playing the second worst team in the Red Wings. I think Ottawa would still be behind them in points percentage. Which is why this Saturday game, um, despite like a really, you know, poor start, that was a huge win. That was a very, very important victory for the Red Wings. I thought like, especially considering how that game unfolded, you know, emotionally with how chippy it got, like that was a really, really big win for Detroit. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Um but it, it it did the job. I mean, it was this was a classic Red Wings win in the rebuild. Get out shot. Bernier stands on his head. They get a couple of 
you know, one nice goal, one greasy goal, and then they just uh, play stifle shutdown hockey, and it, it worked. I mean, it was on the second half of a back-to-back, so maybe Florida was a little tired, but, I mean, Detroit played the first game too, so it's not much of an excuse for anybody really. I guess if both teams are tired, that would favor the Red Wings uh, with the style they play. But it was good. I mean, after seeing the lineup projections before the game, I was very rattled. Um, and honestly, the way the game shaked out, it didn't really matter because offense wasn't happening really in either direction. Um, but yeah, the, the, it was a, a win that I'm sure Jeff Blaschel envisioned in his head a thousand times this year. We're going to clog the middle. We're going to play conservatively. They kind of toned down the aggressiveness again this game, which makes sense after you get pummeled for seven goals. Hey, maybe let's put that focus back to defense. And it worked. I mean, it could have worked better with some offense, but it worked. It doesn't matter. W is a W is a W with an absolute snipe from Patrick Nemeth. You think Philip Zadina saw Nemeth took that shot and he broke his stick in half on the bench? <laughs> okay, let's let's be honest. Nemeth is probably getting a lot more space and uh, room there because he's not a known shooter. They're not going to collapse on him like they do a Mantha or Zadina. But wow, when Nemeth shot that, I was like, no, that looked like a clean snipe. Like It must have hit someone somewhere. I think Brome was in front, actually, for that shot. I was like, oh, did it hit Brome? And you looked and you're like... No, no, never just picked that corner. What the hell? It was, it wasn't even that Patrick Nemeth unleashed that shot. It was an offensive goal the Red Wings scored on a set play. I have, I don't think we've seen that this year. What happened at the beginning of that set play, Brad? Glenn Denning wins the draw, as he does more than anybody else in the league, yet he's only got three points all season. It's almost like the two don't relate to each other. But either way, clean win. Juice walks into it, pulls the forward to him, passes the Nemeth who's pinching on the other side because obviously in that scenario, that's where the open lane is going to be. And the Red Wings used it and it worked. I was... I almost fainted. I'm like, that's the first time I think I've seen them have any set play in the offensive zone work since the home opener against Dallas in 2019. Like, it was yeah. beautiful. That was, uh, yeah, it just worked out that well. And, you know, we joke about the, the Glenn Denning face-off percentage thing. First of all, it's literally all that's spoken about every broadcast. And I get why. You don't have a lot of good things to talk about on this Red Wings team. So when you have a real one, you don't shut up about it because it's you need to fill the air with something substantial and positive. So, like, anytime we rip on it, it's mostly kidding. Like, I love Glenny. I think he works hard. I love what he brings to the team. But. Want to hear the comparison that came to my mind after that goal, too? Hmm. Being good at something is good. Obvious statements are obvious. So, Luke Glendening being good at faceoffs is good for the Detroit Red Wings. And. I think everybody would be happy if Luke Lendenning was just good at face-offs. But because his face-offs are put on such a high pedestal in the broadcast and on Twitter and any Red Wings media, and I get it, they have to grasp at straws for positives. I, I get it. It doesn't make it any less annoying, but I get it. It makes it like you just get sick of hearing it. So it's it's objectively a good thing for what it does. And then when you factor in really how 
largely irrelevant face-offs are in the overall outcome of a game because almost every analytic will show that face-offs don't have that dramatic of an effect. So it's a small positive, but we're really good at that small positive and we blow it up to the point where it is just annoying to hear about. Luke Glendening's face-offs are the action equivalent of Darren Helm. Because Darren Helm, <laughs> Darren Helm is was not this year, but like his whole career has been good at what he's good at, which was he was a good bottom six grinding winger who was great on the penalty kill, great defensively, Fast black style. black hole offensively, but he was good at what he was good at, which was a had a pretty small impact on the game, but he was good at it. But then the Darren Helm stands have ruined Darren Helm for everybody else. That's what Fox Sports Detroit is doing to Luke Glendening's face-offs. I like both these things, but please, for the love of God, stop. My my tinfoil hat theory, Fox Sports Detroit met with the team and said, hey, uh, here's our two best trade pieces, Luke Glendening, and believe it or not, (laughs) Mark Stahl, we're going to need you to pump both their tires all year. And I'll tell you, the Mark Stahl trade rumors... Do not stop. A lot of broadcasters, mostly from you know national broadcasters who maybe don't have more granular granular knowledge team to team, they keep talking about Mark Stahl being a potential deadline mover. And every Red Wings fan is like, uh, yeah, if you want him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, would ta- you take a fourth? Like, oh, uh, yeah, I, I guess we could make a fourth work. Yeah, twist my arm. Why don't you? It's amazing. It's like they didn't see that the Rangers gave the Red Wings a second round pick just to take Mark Stahl at the beginning of the year. They probably just saw a second round pick and Mark Stahl and just assumed that the Red Wings sent the Rangers a second round pick for Mark Stahl. And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And now they're like, he's an asset. Now, that being said, contract has a lot to do with that. If the Red Wings retain half and you're getting Mark Stahl at 2.7 million, it's still terrible. What are these people thinking? Hey, hey, we'll take it. And which is funny because when I say this game had a disastrous start, uh, it was a penalty kill that Detroit was on and uh, Florida scored as they do. And if you look at a still image, the there is Jonathan Bernier and directly in front of Jonathan Bernier were three Florida Panthers unobstructed by any single Detroit Red Wing. And uh, off the screen was Mark Stahl facing the wrong way, picking up his stick that had fallen out of his hands. I believe Val Philpola, it was, also dropped his stick on that play. It was Nielsen. Nielsen, yeah. You can understand how I got confused. Um, (laughs) And it's funny because I think Dimitri and I think Prashanth both uh, uh, showed, like, labeled, like, what were these people doing? And like I was so focused on the three unobstructed Florida Panthers, which like you're on a penalty kill and your your main objective, at least in the hockey that I know, is to stop the other team from scoring. So generally you shouldn't leave three opponents directly in front of your poor goaltender who, by God, I hope he has his own sports psychiatrist paid for by the team. Um, and then they pointed out how everyone else failed to get there. And it was just... You saw that and you just on the heels of the the game from the night before, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a bad weekend. Anyhow, Nemeth sniped one naturally. And then uh, Matthias Brome, 
put himself in the right place at the right time, picked up a Larkin rebound, and finally got the monkey off his back, scored his first NHL goal. And wow, was that like you could see the relief come off of him. If we thought Nemesnikov was pumped to get his first goal with the Red Wings, Brome and his celebration, his adorable celebration with Larkin, like that had to have been the happiest person in Michigan that night. He almost takes out Larkin, misses him, knocks Larkin's stick out of his hands. Larkin's like, I should probably pick that up. And Brome's like, no, hug. <laughs> and just stands in front of him, arms <laughs> spread. Just like, yeah. <laughs> Larkin's looking at him like, yeah, I'm not getting out of this even if I want to. All right, come here, buddy. That was, yeah, I was just so relieved. Of all the things you can check off, I think a lot of people would have said power play goal, which they did it. The Red Wings are still 0 for their last 36 and 1 for their last 45, I believe it is. Um, so that's bad. But hey, getting the first Brome point and goal, that's a good one to start with. Uh, and then, of course, the Red Wings hung on. Bernier saved 38 of 39 shots and Detroit beat the highest points percentage team in the NHL. So Brad, last episode in our in our FanDuel uh, betting segment, I picked Detroit to win the first game and not the second. And I was so wrong after Friday night, but I was partially right after Saturday night. So I'll take that split happily. I went three for three on Friday night. Uh, I only remember the Red Wings game from the second half of my prediction. So I could have went over three the second night and uh, not remember. So I'm just going to remember Friday night where I was perfect. Um, other points about that game. I'm not a, uh, you have to have an enforcer on your team type and I'm not a, I think enforcers have like solely enforcers have a role in the NHL. I think you need person. I think you need to be able to do other things to, to take up an NHL roster spot, but watching Radko Gudas make yet another head hit this time on Philip Zadina and watching Aaron Ekblad accidentally high stick Zadina in the face like grind his stick against his face and watching barkov's I'll, I'll call barkov's um hip check on larkin borderline i thought it was a trip although i can see why it was close watching all of that you know i'm happy mantha let the anger out a little bit last night i thought that that game was getting a little too chippy in one direction so i'm happy mantha was getting in there i'm happy glenn denning drilled air neck bled at the edge of that scrum because that was definitely a hey i, I like we saw what you did and I'm happy Darren Helm, of course, drilled Radko Gudas into the boards with a clean hit, which, of course, Gudas thought was completely unacceptable. Um, but as long as the NHL is not going to punish hits to the head, and as long as the NHLPA is not going to push them for for bigger suspensions, because it's obvious that the NHLPA is more concerned about minimizing loss of salary due to suspensions rather than protecting players by eliminating hits to the head. And yeah, I know I'm a little frustrated here so that was maybe a little bit of an emotional take but i digress uh then i want giovanni smith in the lineup to constantly be in these guys faces to say hey if you're gonna do that then we're gonna have to have to talk later tonight you know radko gudas faced no repercussions for any of his hits aaron ekblad basically got away with you know jamming his stick into philip zadina's face until the end of the game where glenn denning knocked him on his ass like there needs to be accountability for these players and i think first and foremost ideally that comes from the refs or the nhl or the department of player safety but if it's not going to i want giovanni smith to go and beat the hell out of him that like it's old school and stupid and i'm i've made fun of people who talk like that but hey what's left because i don't want to see detroit get bullied like they did last night no, it's completely unacceptable. You can't have Mantha doing it. You can't. We've seen what's happened the last few years when he does. Um, 
I'm very anti-enforcer in the sense of you can't win or compete in the NHL now with with those boat anchors on your roster. You can't. That's what makes a guy like Giovanni Smith special. He's not that good by NHL standards, like if we're being honest. He's an NHL player, and he's definitely better than I thought he was uh, a year ago. But he's he's a fourth line guy, but it's fine. But he can play on that fourth line, and he can play effectively on the fourth line. And like Ryan said, one thing he is good at is beating the living hell out of people. So if it's not going to be Giovanni Smith, someone has to, because like Ryan said, like Philip Zadina was getting punked, and you can't have that happening to one of your star players, especially someone who's a younger guy like that, because we can talk about the injuries all we want. And uh, this would be a much bigger conversation if that head hit from Gudas gave Zadina a concussion. But there is something to be said for if Zadina gets decked, elbowed in the head, sticked in the face, and none of his teammates are coming to his defense. It's not, not a good feeling as a teammate. Like, hey, Anybody can help me out because Phillips Dean is what five eleven, buck eighty. He's not fighting Radko Gudis. No, he's not fighting Aaron Ekblad. He can try. He'll he'll probably lose a couple teeth and teeth and miss a couple games. But I mean, it's uh, embarrassing is not the right word because you don't want to take instigating penalties in a close game, etc., etc., etc. But it's disheartening especially for Zadina, because if, if Gudis, like Ryan said, if Gudis is getting free reign on this, the refs aren't calling it. The NHLPA is not calling it. And he's not getting his teeth caved in when he does it. Why the hell would he stop? He's like, Oh, I can do this. All right, Larkin, you're next. Every time someone comes up the boards, he's forget the play. I'm going to see what I can do here. So, and I know we're using Gudis as the example on this particular incident because he hit Zadine in the head and a few games ago he hit Glendening in the head and it could be anybody. But here's the thing with a guy like Radko Gudis. He's been this type of prick his whole career. This is nothing new for Radko Gudis. This guy should have triple the amount of suspensions he has. That's not just against the Red Wings, just in general. He's a dirty hockey player. And... So he very clearly has the mentality of when I can get away with this, I'm going to do it. So there needs to be some kind of deterrent. I don't care what the deterrent is, but there needs to be a deterrent. Ideally, it's not Giovanni Smith. But if it ain't the refs and it ain't the league, it's got to be Giovanni Smith or it's got to be John Merrill or it's got to be somebody. I don't care who. Somebody. Someone shows Adina, you have his back. And you know what? Credit to Glendening and Helm because they they did go after those guys after. But I we talk a lot about the Tom Wilson types, right? The guys who can play and they're rough and often do cross the line. And whenever it's Tom Wilson against your team, you hate him. But hey, like if you thought his contract was bad, and you know I was not a fan of his contract when he signed it. Um, ask yourself how much are those extra dollars worth? Or how much is that physical presence worth when you know that Tom Wilson will be the guy to to come in and not only play and contribute offensively, uh, but also, you know, swing at someone when they need swinging at. It sounds so stupid to be talking about the old time hockey, like throw fists to make someone stop doing something. But like, again, outside of the refereeing this season, the, the Department of Player Safety, I just cannot get on track with the way that they 
the way they're calling things like the justification for not even looking at the Glenn Denning hit. Of course, they're not going to look at the Zadina hit like the, oh, he was hunched over, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sorry. It just does not make sense. We are still maybe we have like 1% of the knowledge that we need about the way the human brain works and how traumatic brain injury builds up over time. And we're still allowing these hits to the head. Like, yeah, you can put some onus on the player, but it really does have to fall on the hitter. And yeah, like we've mentioned, they're still going to do it until they're deterred. So I hope long-term the department of player safety gets this right. Cause I think they're getting it completely and undeniably wrong right now. Uh, but in the meantime, bring up players like Smith, find guys who can play, and throw hands and like hey when we're excited about Giovanni Smith we're excited about Giovanni Smith as the bottom six player that's a very real role I think over the past I'm going to say five years to be gen- to be nice but it's probably closer to eight or nine uh, we've equated bottom six player to aging top six player who doesn't no longer fit in the top six we just say bottom six no I think there's a different kind of player that fits well into the bottom six and it doesn't mean they're bad and they play a different style of game that maybe doesn't contribute as much offensively but they still contribute think like prime helm days so I'm happy with Giovanni Smith as a bottom six player and I think he could and is already a good bottom six player anyways moral of the story bring Giovanni Smith back please um to if we want to talk about uh, lineup decisions. I've got another big old. I don't, I don't. I don't have anything polite to say about it. But what was the point in assigning Evgeny Svechnikov to the taxi squad? I. I have. He might a, come up tomorrow. He might maybe. come to the team tomorrow. Yeah. He better. He better. <laughs> um, like it sounds dramatic to say, because I understand. Let me pre- preface this by saying I understand at this point in his career, Evgeny Svechnikov is not going to be a difference maker. I don't care that he was a first round pick. I don't care that he's not going to live up to that first round billing. Don't care. He, he he probably is an upgrade on at least five of the six players playing in our bottom six. Like it's not that high a bar to climb. But regardless, he's a young prospect who's developing that the Red Wings hope has a long future with the team. Okay. I understand why Chalosky and Hiroshi and Rasmussen are in Grand Rapids. I don't necessarily agree with it for all of them, but I get it. They're developing. So go do something for their development and let them play in the AHL. And we'll talk about it later. Some of those guys are dominating in the AHL right now. Um, and you don't want them over their head on a bad team hurting their development. I get it. Do you know what's not helping Evgeny Svechnikov's development? Not playing. Grand Rapids has had two games since he's been on the taxi squad. He hasn't played in either of them. The Red Wings have had two games since he's been on the taxi squad. He hasn't played on either of them. So they literally took him out of a situation where he was at least playing... And now he's not. If he gets into the next game, that's all well and good. I'm I'm happy for him. He still could have played those two games with Grand Rapids. Like, I don't know if this is Eiserman just putting him there saying, Blash, here's another toy for you. Or if Eiserman is part of this and he's okay with the decision. I don't know who's to take the blame who is to take the blame for this. But to steal a Pierre Maguire ism. This is nonsensical. It doesn't make sense 
from any standpoint, however you want to look at it. I'm it's, fine. I'm I'm really fine with bringing Svechnikov up to the taxi squad and then waiting a couple of games to bring him in. Like I, I think that, that's okay. This, that's an if. I will be less mad if he's in next game. We don't know that he is. Today's development does help that argument. I understand that. Um, but but still, it's I understand it's not the biggest deal in the world. And this is like you said with Brome missing the empty net. Any other situation, it's whatever. A uh, 23 or 24-year-old prospect missing two games would not rattle me 99 out of 100 times. Except we see this type, we've seen this type of crap with the Red Wings over and over and over again for the last five years. It just happens on repeat that I know this isn't going to be the last instance of it. We could go back through three years of mishandling of Dennis Cholosky and his... um up and down yo-yoing between Grand Rapids and Detroit and healthy scratches and yada, yada, yada. We could do that with Michael Rasmussen. We can do that with Taro Hirose over and over and over again. Giovanni Smith this season at points. Um, it's just eventually you have to have a, a plan and it doesn't feel like they do. Other than the two-week span where a lot of guys were on the COVID list, the Red Wings, knock on wood, have been pretty damn lucky with health this year. And they're still yo-yoing. It, it's weird to me. And that doesn't even factor into the, okay, well, you want Cider in Detroit next year? Maybe Lucas Raymond's in Detroit next year? Okay. And Smith? And Chalosky? And Rasmussen? And Svechnikov? And Hiroshi, how many rookies are you going to put in the lineup at one time? Because you can't tell me all these guys need two more years. Some of them might, not most of them. So I just, I'm reaching that threshold of the confusion about what they're doing is starting to become a concern would be the grandiose picture or the grandiose point there. You're, uh, um, your pre-anger during games is actually really funny. I I watched you see Larkin on the first line, and I watched you devolve, and I was like, "God damn, the puck hasn't even dropped yet." <laughs> I'm not <already> broke, Brad. <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't upset. Larkin was on the first line. No, no, sorry, uh, Helm. Helm. <laughs> again, again. Any other, <laughs> any other team, any other scenario. I Darren Helm on the first line wouldn't rattle me. I would disagree with the decision, but whatever. The fact that we fucking predicted this before the season it was literally just like a joke of how many games will it take well about a third of the season that's all it took because we knew it would come to this for no good reason and they did it it didn't work i mean that line produced one goal and that was when helm was on the bench and bro may scored it um whatever it's fine again in a bubble that decision is fine but the fact it happens so often, the fact it never works, never produces the desired result, and the fact that in our sarcastic anger before the season, we predicted it is why it, just, it sets me off. That's It's all the context and not the actual bubble of the event. Like the the isolated event, yeah. Well, okay, so it's Sunday right now. It's Sunday night, uh, and Franz Nielsen was waived a few hours ago. Well, maybe more than a few hours ago. Uh, he was waived earlier this afternoon, which was, you know, I think it was 
a week after Danny DeKaiser was waived. So same thing, big contract guy underperforming. Eisman's like, we need roster players or we need players up in the roster. Maybe a, hey, Evgeny Svechnikov. And uh, we're going to send down someone who, A, we know is not going to get claimed. And B, if they did, <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Which it's not, okay. It's it's a less than 0.001% chance Francie Nielsen gets claimed. So just accept that right now um he's gonna get sent down to the ahl but what they'll do is assign him much like danny DeKaiser, to the taxi squad so he still is physically with the team and they'll bring him back up um but it's just a risk-free waiver process so they have the time to bring someone else up is this like a is this to get you know someone else up there is it uh um let's just say hypothetically biega despite the fact that i know biega is actually up he biega is up right now right yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, but he was let's assigned say, to the taxi squad today with Brome, you know. Yeah, as a money moves. move. But uh, if it's one of those, then that's fine. But I actually, my first thought when they sent down Nielsen was like, okay, they know that uh, it's been six years since they've drafted Evgeny Svechnikov in the first round. They know that if they are going to have this guy on the team full time, he needs NHL reps and they need to see what they have in him. This, I, I really truly believe this needs to be the year Svechnikov breaks through. Then they had to make the move to bring him up. No, is Nielsen deserving of a roster spot? No, of course not. Not on, I think, any NHL team this year at all. Um, but the Red Wings don't really have much else. If you're Jeff Blashill, a lot of fans would clamor for a lot of the young guys who have outperformed him. But hey, there's only so much screaming into the void we can do before we run out of airtime. Um, but it, so it, you can understand why I think it's a big move and it signifies them making that space for a Sveshnikov type when they wave Nielsen. That's what I think is happening. The beauty of recording this now is we'll know in like, what, 12 hours, whether I was right or not, something like that. Uh, the next game's on Tuesday against Nashville at 730. So we'll see who's up by then. Um, it's not a money move. They pay Franz Nielsen the exact same amount. When he's sent down, he has a one-way contract, obviously, and it's not a cap space move. They say like a million in cap space, and they already have like 14 million or something like that. The point of this is roster space. So we'll see what happens. And also, you know, credit where credit is due, waving Erickson last year, waving DeKaiser this year, waving Franz Nielsen this year. This is exactly the kind of thing that needs to be happening. Wish it happened more. Understand the rationale as to why it doesn't happen enough. Um, my gripe mostly is with deployment on ice rather than who's up and who's down, but it's not, I don't think anyone's without fault here, but regardless, we'll see what happens with Svechnikov. Yeah. Because correct me if I'm wrong, when someone goes through waivers, they are ineligible for waivers for a month after that. Correct. So uh, when Svechnikov first went through waivers to start the season, they had a month of grace period where they could yo-yo him and not have to worry about it right believe so yeah so that month is passed so um svechnikov probably should be up here for the year or there's a good chance they lose him he didn't get claimed the first time um i think largely at that point due to the uncertainty of what a covid nhl would look like and teams just didn't want to have to quarantine another body etc cetera, etc cetera. and they also sent him down when every other team was placing everybody on waivers so he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit i don't think that will happen again i've been wrong before i'll be wrong again but it's not a risk i'd be willing to take at this point in the season so i the, the timing of the nielsen waving the timing of the Svechnikov recall does seem to lend itself to that that's the plan. 
Um, I think Ryan's right. I don't think Nielsen's going to the AHL. I think he's going to be in and out of the lineup um, from the taxi squad. It just provides some flexibility, which is fine. Um, They could do that with every player they think might be a healthy scratch at one point, because why not? My biggest concern with this, honestly, is that weird quote Jeff Blaschel gave about Svechnikov when he got recalled, where he's like, well, he, I'd like to give him an opportunity, but and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but not all that sarcastically, surprisingly. Um, I'm going to give him an opportunity when someone gives me a reason to give him an opportunity, meaning he's not getting in the lineup until someone needs to be pulled from the lineup. And then he literally said, and then he'll get eight minutes and he's got to do the best with those eight minutes. Then he gets nine minutes and he's got to do the best with those nine minutes. And then he gets 10 minutes and he's got to make do with those 10 minutes. And and that's almost verbatim. So we know how this is going to go. Blashill literally mapped it out for us. Whether or not that's the right approach or not, it's, it sounds like that's the plan. And let's hope he gets those eight minutes with, um, Flatten Mesnikov and not Darren Helm and Luke Glendening, but uh, we'll see. I'm they got they, do they have games against Carolina coming up? Because that's all I really care about with Sveshnikov at this point. One game against Carolina March 4th. Just please bring him up and keep him up through March 4th. I beg of you. Please just let him play his brother. That's it. That's all I care about in this world. That's the only <laughs> thing that'll bring me joy. Please. Uh, the exact rule that Brad was referencing here, uh, exemption to waivers, uh, player does not need to pass through waivers. If the player has not been on the NHL active roster for a cumulative 30 days since last clearing waivers and has not played in 10 or more NHL games. Uh, and that's from the CBA reference 13.2 B thanks to cap. Friendly. So he would have to go through waivers again because he's played in more than 10 NHL games. Oh, it's if you've, if he's played less than 10, he's still ineligible. I don't know if they mean this season. Anyways. Ah, weird. We'll figure it out. I think he... Anyways. Uh, Moving on here. The uh, good news uh, overseas in Europe... Mort Sider is back. He is dominating. He was he had a show against Frolunda the other night when Rogla took on Frolunda. Uh, lots of players went after him. There was a lot of reverse hits. Most notably, Elmer Soderblom. Elmer, Elmer Soderblom tried to hit Sider, and Sider made Elmer Soderblom look like Lucas Raymond. Um, I cannot wait to have that guy in the NHL. I am one hundred percent confident the strength to do to run those reverse hits will also carry over maybe not the exact same way but it's just going to be so fun watching him trample people terrible news uh lucas raymond got hurt because we can't have nice things it seems like there's a fracture in his elbow apparently and he's going to be out for weeks better that it's not a tendon or a ligament or anything like that for sure um but a fracture in the elbow is still not a pretty thing so you have to hope that Raymond recovers quickly and and fully and they're careful with him because yeah, we don't want Lucas Raymond in Sweden next year. We want Lucas Raymond at least in the AHL next year and continuing to develop. So that's another episode and Red Wings fans have nothing nice in this world. Pain. Um, All right. What do you guys want to do first? Waivers or the Lake? Let's talk about the Lake Tahoe games (laughs) ah what was the last time you saw a midnight eastern nhl game i can't make fun of them the first thing i saw i did when i saw the game come on the colorado vegas game i was like holy shit that is gorgeous that is the most picturesque hockey game i've ever seen in my life i took a million pictures of them playing with the the nordiques jerseys and i I don't like vegas's 
reverse retro jerseys um, with the mountains in the background. It was cool as hell. I thought the people watching from the water was sweet. All of that was awesome. And so I cannot be the one to criticize them for, you know, not predicting that the sun is hot, which is, you know, <laughs> new news. It's like they didn't ask anyone from Lake Tahoe or in and around Lake Tahoe uh, that, you know, what's your elevation like? What's the glare like? I feel like Evan would actually have been a great consultant. I feel like this is stuff that snowboarders and skiers know. Oh, yeah. The sun's hot. The sun's really <laughs> hot. analysis from Evan Lopsinger. <laughs> yeah, like... Did you see some of the size of the holes that were developing in the ice? They were chasms. You could have fit small children down in those things. Um, yeah. Yeah. They needed a cloudy day. That was for sure. It was like a 15 second clip and in it, like it was like Mark Stone, a referee and someone else. And all of them just tripped skating. Like it wasn't during the play. They were literally gliding around between whistles and uh, all of them fell over. And I was like, oh, man, someone's going to break their neck. They cannot come out and play on this ice. Yeah, I was watching the beginning, the intro and all that, because I was actually kind of excited to see it for all the reasons Ryan mentioned. And then I I watched warm-ups and everything. I'm like, oh, my God, they nailed this. This is amazing. It was everything that they advertised it to be. The beautiful scenery, like the visuals were outstanding. And... Towards the end of that period, I'm watching it going, this is unplayable. Um, And it's weird. On the broadcast, they barely mentioned the delays because I had – maybe I just missed it. But during the intermission, I was just screwing around on my phone and then playing with the kids. So I was listening, but I wasn't listening. And then I'm like, it's been like 30 minutes. What's happening? And then so I had to go to Twitter to figure out why they weren't playing. And then, yeah, they they ultimately made the right decision for player safety because if you imagine how fast Nathan McKinnon skates, if he hit one of those um, sinkholes in the middle of the ice, that could have put him out for the season, quite literally. Actually, if he hit one of those at full speed, it would have likely put him out for the season. So uh, they made the right call to delay it. Uh, Sucks for those of us on the East Coast who couldn't watch it, but whatever. So they delayed the start of the Bruins-Flyers game the next day to 7 p.m. because of that reason. Um, That game is actually going on as we speak, and I've been kind of keeping up with some of the visuals on my Twitter, and they're playing it at sunset right now. These visuals are even better. Like, they should have done this from the start. The sunset on Lake Tahoe combined with hockey, the shadows in the first few minutes of the game made it a little weird, but, oh, man, is it spectacular. And... uh, Obviously, with, you know, the hot sun not beating down on it, they're likely to get through this game. Is it a comedy of errors? Yes. Is it very NHL-esque to do this? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking earlier about how, um, remember the draft conversation we had a couple episodes ago where it's like, what are they going to do? Are they going to have delayed drafts back-to-back next year? Are they going to do one in the winter and one next summer? Are they going to try to run as is? And we were all talking as if, you know, they're going to make a sensible solution based on, you know, a broad range of information and, and pragmatism. Uh, this is the same NHL that did not anticipate elevation and glare and the sun causing ice to melt. So all I thought earlier today was, oh, we're so screwed. <laughs> we're so screwed. And I don't know why I keep generating new hope for this. Um, but yeah, like it was cool. It was cool. They adjusted on the fly. Was it a total, you know, 
cock up? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. They could have done way better. I'm not going to present this as one of those times where the, where we say oh, it actually wasn't as bad as people are saying. They're just taking it too hard on the NHL. No, like this is a logistics thing that should have been figured out, but I will say the idea was cool. The execu- execution at the start was cool. And as long as, you know, the rest of the, the evening game went well, which it seemed like it did after a nine hour wait. That's the longest uh, minor penalty I think Mark Stone will ever serve. I believe it was Mark Stone. Um, and the Boston Philly game goes well, then yeah, like awesome. Good for them. Just do it, but try to do it smarter and better next time if, if at all possible. But hey, the spirit of the thing was there. The spirit of that event was on a Sea-Doo with a cooler. That guy. Okay. <laughs> So he he tweeted, uh, he was like, hey, that's me. And I, by all rights, I think it's him. So if uh, anyone knows him or you're actually um, listening to the podcast, please uh, reach out and just offer like the smallest amount of proof that it's actually you and not just someone who changed their name. Because I would like to send you some, you know, winged wheel podcast gear and, and something for making all of our days. Because I'm not kidding when that guy is the best thing to happen to Detroit <laughs> all year. I, I, I tweeted it out, but yeah, when I saw him ripping on the CD with the flag, all I could hear in my head was the soundtrack of, there goes my hero. <laughs> <laughs> it's this game all about Vegas and Colorado, and the entire broadcast was focused on the people who paddled up, and every shot had a big Red Wings flag. It was amazing. He's sitting there bobbing in his CD, flag flying, beer in his hand, cooler. <laughs> that was a terrible about five. the Jersey foul, like... He gets all the credit in the world. That was a top five moment of the Red Wings season, and the Red Wings weren't even playing. <laughs> uh, someone joked before, like when he first, they, they saw the flag in the distance before it really made the broadcast, and someone joked, they're like, oh, there's Evan. And I was like, I think it was <laughs> Topher on Twitter. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's Evan. And then when we saw the close-up of them with like the shades, the, the jet ski, the Red Wings flag, the cooler, I'm like, I think that that's maybe actually Evan. Has he confirmed that he's actually where he says he is? Because I think that's him right there. Yeah, that would have been nice. I would have gladly taken a trip to uh, Lake Tahoe instead of Collingwood. <laughs> have you been to lake tahoe no but it is on the bucket list isn't that like a rite of passage for people like you yeah there's a very long list and i've only hit two of them so uh it's it's down the list but it's on there what's the obscure state where brad and i use it to reference like a random state that no one thinks about and you're like oh no, you have great snowboarding jackson wyoming or hole wyoming <laughs> jackson. jackson hole is a fake city name much like a fake Florida Panther scored against Detroit the other night, Jackson Hole, Wyoming is a fake place that you tell us just to avoid having to talk to me and Brad for a couple episodes. I think last time I checked, uh, Jackson Hole had the highest land sale price in America, and it was like $70 million just for a plot of land. What? Is this like the billionaires? Oh, yeah. It's a billionaire Street? cowboys area. Yeah. It's like. Ski bums and celebrities bump shoulders in Jackson, Wyoming. So that's where all the oil money ends up. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, we live on a different planet than this guy. You know that, right? Uh, We live in a different reality than this guy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not uh, the one buying... buying those things but it was funny walking by the the real estate board and everything had a lot more commas than i was used to uh a lot of a lot of the youtube comments we get are um you know if people on air don't hear evan's voice for a long time they just kind of forget that he exists which you know I, i can understand um 
but on YouTube, Evan's, Evan's face is there and they see him looking at his other screen and they're like, what's he doing? I'm like, okay, quite honestly, half the time he's messaging us in our group chat or looking up things relevant to what we're talking to, well, talking about like stats and stuff so we can bring it up. But I like to guess as to what he's doing with the other half of the time. And I think it's narrowed down to day trading or like trading like fine art, like billion dollar art pieces or like land plots in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It is real estate. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ryan, I said it as a joke, but I think we need to do my Patreon idea. I think I think we do, too, because at this point, he's a meme. Okay, so I'll ask if the listeners want us to do this. So I was bored and tired and my brain went to weird places. So I thought, hey, we haven't done um, anything on Patreon, like a Patreon exclusive anything in a couple weeks. What can we do? And I'm like, oh. Evan, we should get Evan involved. We Evan should do an AMA on our Patreon for the patrons. And then I kept going to their home. Like, you know what would be funnier? We post an Ask Me Anything of Evan, but Ryan and I answer all the questions for Evan, how we think Evan would answer them. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. We should all actually answer for each other. There's like I answer how I think Brad will. <laughs> Brad answers for Evan and Evan answers for me. It's like uh we'll get like a little twister board and you know we'll go around. Okay, this time yeah. I'm gonna answer it as myself or as one of you two. I'm not interested in being roasted by Evan though. Like he cuts deep when he does it. He doesn't do it a lot, but he really does cut deep when he does it. I know that's why I wanted to do it for Evan. There could be 37 questions and we'd be able to answer them all with roughly 42 words. Yeah, <laughs> truly a man of efficiency. Uh, anyhow, the takeaway from Lake Tahoe, I hope the NHL keeps doing cool, weird shit like this. Um, I wish the execution will get better, but Hey, I'm not going to, you know, hang my hat on that. Um, last point I want to talk about here, Adam Henrique, there was a whole thing about him being on waivers because a player of his caliber on waivers. Should we pick him up three years left at 5.25 or something? Anyways, he cleared waivers. So there's that. If Anaheim wants to, it's yeah, Anaheim wants to offer money to, offer money offer an asset for someone to take his contract then yeah by all means but um otherwise he's cleared and it's no one's taking that money think of it as a franz nielsen thing waivers are essentially risk-free this year even more so than they already were uh the north division what the hell is happening Connor McDavid has 37 points already. Um, Austin Matthews has 18 goals. He has played 18 games. Pardon me. That division is, I don't even want to call it the Thunderdome. It's like everything. It's it's like a triple XP weekend for your favorite video game. It was, I, I really enjoyed that warning, vulgar joke coming. Um, where there was that 15 moment 15 minute moment on Twitter after the Leafs game where Austin Matthews had his three or four points, whatever it was, and then Leafs Twitter is like, will Austin Matthews catch Connor McDavid for the scoring race? And then McDavid's game started. And then McDavid dropped his on the table and said, No, mine's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> was it three? It was a five-point game with a hat trick. His goal. <laughs> With like at near full speed, kicking his the puck to his stick across, like with his skates crossed, flying down the wing, and then I, I, whenever he does this, I actually just like I throw my phone, and I'm like, that's I can't, I won't see anything better than this today. I'm going to bed. His no look shot, 
his looking off the goalie and he doesn't even look back last second, which when a player, when a shooter does that, he looks back last second with barely a half second glance at the net before firing it. I'm like, oh man, that is a shooter right there. That is someone with serious shooting skill. Connor McDavid didn't even turn his head back. He shot the puck looking at his line mate. He scored without looking in hockey, in a hockey game, in a professional hockey game. Don't forget. That guy's a freak. Don't forget, he turned his body, so he was technically skating backwards when he did that, too. Like, come on. Come on. I think it's very easy for people to underrate Austin Matthews. And I know that sounds silly, but it's easy for people to underrate Austin Matthews because of it's, it's very easy to laugh at Toronto's woes, which, hey, I take part in that. And uh, the focus for Toronto is often about their failures rather than than their successes. I think Matthews was and continues to be one of the best players in the world. I think he'll be the best goal scorer of his generation because Ovi's from the generation before. And the fact that Connor McDavid makes it so who's the best player in the world conversation is still not close is absolutely insane. I know it's impossible to underrate a leaf. Like it, it really truly is. I mean, second in league scoring on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, everybody's going to be talking about him. Except they aren't. Second in scoring in the NHL isn't Austin Matthews, it's Mitch Marner. So you can very much underestimate a Leaf. Yeah, you know, everyone's screaming and shouting and humming and hawing about Mitch Marner's... It's, this is what Toronto sports media does. When they turn on a player, they don't come back. Everybody was so angry at Mitch Marner for his contract demands. Oh, he'll never be worth that. Except all he's done since then is prove that he's worth that. <laughs> he has and had that- down points. Like I, I will admit like there was a little bit of slumping there, but it was nothing unnatural. And of course, you get guys like Simmons saying like, oh, Marner's the cause of all issues. Also, he's he- 23. Evgeny Sveshnikov is 24, 25, is it? <laughs> like, Jesus, this is why I can't stand Leaf fans. This is why I can't. I can't do it. Like, my God, you have our, we just picked Lucas Raymond, who's the best prospect we've had since Steve Eiserman. And we're praying that he gets to be as good as Mitch Marner. Like, <laughs> come on. Yes. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, the North is a lot of fun. Whether or not you like the Canadian hockey media bias, uh, for me, it's sometimes extremely frustrating to only hear them covered. And um, I would love a time for them to be mixed back in the league when these divisions go back to normal. But still, hey, great, fun hockey to watch. Uh, for now, I'm going to bring us to Overtime, which on this episode of the Wingfield Podcast is sponsored by none other than the FanDuel Sportsbook, who we are thrilled to partner with as they're giving us fans what we really need, more excitement in the game of hockey. Uh, they're the they're America's number one sportsbook for so many reasons. They're easy to use from registration to deposits and finding great bets. Withdrawals are quick and easy. You get your money back in as, quick as, in as little as 24 hours. Uh, and they are offering a great promotion. You get to place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000, but I'll get to that in a couple minutes here. For now, we are going to talk about uh, some upcoming games where we wish we could bet on and make our picks. Uh, Last episode, Brad and I did it. Um, I think I embarrassed myself a little bit. Brad definitely outperformed me, but hey, we now have Evan in the mix this time, so we'll see where we go. So I'm going to pull up some uh, key series to talk about here, and uh, we'll make our picks. 
Speaking of the Canadian division, Calgary, who uh, got thumped by the Oilers and Connor McDavid uh, against Toronto over the next couple games. Toronto's the favorite there. Outside of their, you know, really embarrassing loss to the Senators, I have a hard time betting against them. Even at, like, it's not attractive. You're not going to make uh, the the underdog money there, but they're a really strong team this year. They have Austin, like John Tavares, I don't think has scored an even strength goal this year. And they're still the top team in the NHL. That is comical. Calgary just got absolutely caved by Edmonton. So they're going to be playing pissed off, but they don't really have, you know, the easiest path to work out their misery. Um, That being said, Toronto uh, Flames are probably still pissed about Jake Muzzin flipping that puck at Matthew Kachuk after the game. And Toronto is known for letdown games. Um, I have a hard time ever betting against the Leafs. But if you're ever going to pick against the Leafs, this is the scenario historically where they've had a letdown game. So, I don't know. Calgary seems like they're on the brink of uh, not collapse, but like their season's going one of two ways and they got to figure it out real quickly. So, they're going to be playing desperate. I, I At least through the Calgary media, I get that feeling. Like That's the vibe coming out of Calgary. So, I don't know. I think... The makings are there to actually have a pretty good underdog bet here. Evan, what do you take? There's two games. I'm going to take Toronto for the sweep. It looks like, Brad, you're saying a split there. I'm saying split with Calgary in the first. Yeah, with how hot Toronto is right now, it's so hard to bet against them. But you never know with a motivated group like Calgary is trying to get back on... uh, the right side of the path i i like to split as well um i don't know do you guys talk about over-unders as well have you been we haven't gone so far as over-under we're starting off with just the money line for now okay. oh. you want to do over-under uh, i think every- the over-under is set at 6.5 for the are- for the first game okay 6.5 and uh the leafs are playing right yeah over i'm taking the under I I think I'll take the over too. I think well, I we'll to. see who's right. <laughs> uh, okay, what's another fun series? All right, Tampa Bay, uh, Carolina. I think it's just always fun when you have a, a league leader like Tampa Bay and uh, a team that frustrates Brad like Carolina. I'm taking the under all day with that. When your goaltender <laughs> is Vasilevsky, I'm taking the under. There's going to be t- three goals scored in that okay. game. I'm going to ask a really dumb question, and this is going to give it because I, I rely on Ryan for the uh, lines here. Who's the dog? Uh, I believe the dog in this bet would be Carolina. Okay, I'm taking Carolina then because they are actually first place in the Central Division right now. They uh, have overtaken Florida. So, I mean, they've already taken one from Tampa. They're playing hot. They've I don't know who or what an Alex Nedeljkovic is, but this might be their new Cam Ward. <laughs> I don't. Some if I'm, he's a goalie, and yet he's still going to score a hat trick against the Red Wings. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, honestly, if he doesn't have a shutout yet, he will. Um, but yeah, Carolina is twelve three and one. Vinny Trocheck is near the league leaders, like the top of the scoring leaderboard. Their defense is outstanding. We've said 
years now, the only thing holding back Carolina is their goaltending. And every now and then we see that what's going on with Chicago right now with Kevin Lankin and that goalie that comes out of nowhere and then just goes on the heater to end all heaters. If that's an Adelkovic for the Hurricanes this year, they're a cup favorite. So if they're riding a hot streak in the short term with him, oh, you bet I'm taking them as the dog. Yeah, I'll take the split there. Uh, the under as well, the over under set at 6.5 with uh, the over having a little bit of, or with having a better payout there. So smash the under. All right. Well, Evan, you want to make your, your pick for the Tampa Carolina? Yeah, if you're looking at betting odds and not, you know, put applying logic too much to it, I'm taking Carolina <laughs> as well. Yeah, I'd split them. I don't like picking I don't like picking anyone to sleep Tampa Bay, so I yeah. think we all agree. Pick your game that you think Carolina is gonna win and, and go with that one. I mean uh, uh, uh on Carolina for two games probably pay pretty nicely. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's not bad. All right, one more series. Quick, uh, with Vegas as the underdog for Monday's game against Colorado and over 5.5 as the, uh, as the under, sorry, the, the over under set at five and a half and the better payout being the over. What do you, what do you say there? I have Philip Grubauer as my fantasy goalie. So I'm going to pick the under by a mile. (laughs) (laughs) I am going with the over and I am going with Colorado. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Colorado here, and I'm going to go with the under. I'm going to go with the safe under. All if right. Colorado's winning. It's going to be with the over. <laughs> We're going to have to start keeping track. That's actually going to be Evan's job. We're going to start keeping track of our predictions to see who ma- who's going to help you make the most money out of all three podcast hosts slash who's helping you lose the least money. Uh, so uh, I will apologize to all of you in advance. <laughs> Listen to everybody but me. <laughs> No, regardless, uh, <laughs> we're going to be making more picks in uh, weeks uh, to come. We're going to be mixing up uh, when we make our picks, so stay tuned for that. But for now, make sure you're downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. $1,000 risk-free bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. You have to be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. That's 270-7117. I was going to say I, I could have a career as a uh, auctioneer, but I messed it up there at the end. So looks like I'm going to be sticking around with the podcast a little longer. Poor bastard. Yep. You're like that high school quarterback was supposed to go D1. Just one Bru- too many knee injuries. Yeah. Well, before we get too introspective about my failures in high school, let's jump into Patreon, where we're going to start with their overtime comments uh, before wrapping up the show. Third Man In says, time is a flat circle. Everything we've ever done or will do, we're going to do over and over and over again. Go Wings. (laughs) Was that Evan or Brad? Well, that was one of you two. 
Uh, former defenseman Ryan Hanna says Stevie continues to show that he's willing to make tough decisions that Holland wasn't willing to. You'll love to see it. Yeah, I think about that every time it happens. And in my head, I do a little, yeah, everyone who is complaining that we are too hard on Holland, here's all reason. But then I don't put that online because I need to exist without angry people in my mentions someday. Then you uh, need to delete Twitter and not run a podcast. Shut up, Brad. No one <laughs> asked you. I don't remember asking you. Uh, next one's from Pizza Pizza Pocket. There's a word in there, which is the synonym for pizza on the show. And everyone keeps trying to trick me into saying it. Uh, he <laughs> says, I'm high as shit. I love hockey. Go hockey, boys. Thank you. <laughs> pizza Pocket. Uh, Nate Schwartz says, most obscure jersey I have is a Martin Furk jersey. If you had to buy an obscure jersey, what would it be? First time comment from a new patron. Nate, welcome, and thank you for supporting the Winged Wheel podcast. An obscure jersey. Oh, we can go down a lot of rabbit holes with this one. I mean, in five years, a Bobby Ryan Red Wings jersey will be considered obscure, so that's my pick. I already own one. I've got the Steve Ott jersey. Oh, yeah. That is fair. I'm trying to think, like, how far back can we go before this is just kind of cheating? Well, not the Gordy jersey, but you have some obscure jerseys, Brad. Not really. Like, uh, Athanasiu might be the most obscure one I have. Don't you have someone like a Colorado or a Dallas player's jersey? Oh, 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 I've got a Louis Erickson. Yeah, that's pretty Yes. Unfair. Yeah, but yeah, if, yeah. But if I could buy any obscure Red Wings jersey, I think I have the perfect one for right now. I was thinking about current players, like you said, who in five years will be cool. So I'm like, oh, maybe like a Christian Juice jersey. But then... Why go for Christian juice when we can get his dad, pear juice? <laughs> he and his brother, apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> and like, his uh, cousin, kombucha juice. We'll put that one in the no pile. Evan wanted to punch me in the face right there. I saw him look at the screen like, I can't believe I unmuted myself just to hear I, that. I was trying to make that funny, and I don't know how I can. <laughs> I, will, I definitely said it just to see you guys cringe, but I know I'm going to eat that on Twitter. Oh, Point being, I want a pear juice jersey. Uh, Stevie Langerman says, hey, gents. Thanks, as always, for the pod. I love the little delay in last episode's intro where we should have heard the classic, and I'm Evan, before revealing that he wasn't there. I didn't uh, listen, so good job, everyone. Yeah, thanks, Evan. <laughs> thanks for holding it down for me. <laughs> for stating the obvious there. Um, obviously, we all feel pretty strongly about Blash, but we also feel pretty strongly about our trust in the Iser plan. Taking away Blash Hill bias, would love to hear why he's still the coach from Stevie's point of view as GM based on where we're at in the rebuild. Um, no, the answer here, whether you like it or not, is one of two things. One, Iserman does not believe that Blash has been given a fair shot with the players and isn't going to make concrete uh, decisions based on his viewing. And you have to remember, Iserman's viewing as GM of Blash Hill is much more short term than our viewing of Blashless coach. Obviously, Eisenman knows him better and his coaching style better. He's the GM of the coach. He's a really good GM, but still, I digress. Uh, the other option here is that Blashill or Eisenman doesn't plan on keeping Blashill long term, but doesn't see the value in getting rid of him midseason, thinks that when he replaces him, it'll be all the same in the end. And for now, why not just keep the guy to hold the fort up until he can get the coach that he wants 
and can make a team attractive enough to attract the coach that he wants. I also think there was some part of him that thought he might get John Cooper, but then Tampa Bay won the cup. So obviously John Cooper was going to stay. I think it's more the second one, and I don't entirely disagree as much as it's easy to get frustrated and call for his firing midseason. If they fired him midseason, I wouldn't be upset from a fan's perspective or, you know, a lot of perspectives, COVID restrictions aside. But yeah, that's the, the big and small of it. Tyrone Bigham's brand of Garpar, Garpar poop nuggets. You guys are fucking weird, man. Um, since Ryan messed up my name last week, yeah, apparently my brain blocked out the word. I just thought you were saying nuggets because you know, we're talking about Garpar. Um, if you can get in a promo battle with any celebrity like Dangle did with Edge, who would you choose? Oh, man. Oh, who would be a fun one? So it obviously has to be a Red Wings fan. Oh, my God. I would love to go on like a full house style rant. Like how fun would it be to get in a in a promo trash talk off with a member of full house? Bring on Dave Coulier. Let's go. I will say, absolutely tear into Uncle Joey. No. <laughs> the famous Red Wings fans that come to mind are like Jeff Daniels, Kristen Bell, either one of those I would happily get into a public feud with. I remember, I think I texted you and Steve. I was like, hey, Steve, just making sure you're in a uh, online feud with uh, WWE wrestler Edge right now. <laughs> yeah. I remember Ed getting Rod- that text and I was like, did I, what did I miss? <laughs> Uh, Dylan Stubenrock, Stubenrock, sorry, says, uh, I saw Demir Zafyarov, Demir Zafyarov was being targeted by the Wings and Hawks for next season. What do you guys think of this? And why would he even consider coming to Detroit where a player like Brome has struggled as compared to the Hawks where guys in a similar situation have had good success? Well, the short answer is there really isn't one. Um, Chicago would be a better situation for him right now, but you probably get more ice time in Detroit, except for our coach doesn't usually abide by giving the new guys ice time, but I digress. Um, And I don't know a damn thing about him, so I'm not all up about it just yet. Uh, La Plata Peak says, I love that the Wings were able to stand up to peer pressure and just say no to wearing the reverse retro slash house league practice sweaters on Saturday. If they never wear them, I think we'll be better off. On the flip side, I love the uniforms both Vegas and Colorado put out there. It's too bad they played at 1 a.m. Eastern and the people who could have been drawn to the NHL were either asleep or getting hammered. Like I said, the spirit of the thing was there. Yeah. Uh, And are the Red Wings the only team that haven't worn their uh, reverse retros yet? Like, Well, there's teams who haven't worn them yet, but... I think I definitely oh, Anaheim hasn't. Anaheim hasn't. That one's actually kind of pissing me off. A lot of teams are really leaning into them, and it's fun. Imagine what it would have been like if Detroit actually tried having some fun with this. Um, I have to admit, watching Florida play in their reverse retros, I was like, all right, I'll say it. Make these their primaries. Well, I, I still don't love the logo. I still think it's a bottom tier logo. I think the overstylized Panthers bad, but the jersey overall is nice. So good for them. Your your opinion on that is so bad. It actually got Rowan and I to agree on something. Look at me bringing the world together. Speaking of which, next comment is from former WOAA cut player Brad Crisco. <laughs> Hello. Good day, dud duds. As alluded to above, uh, good things happen when we get top line Darren Helm. Let's review. Mantha stocks are up as he looked better with Helm on that line. Helm graciously let Brome take his place to score his first NHL goal. Um, Bernier uh, 
stocks up with 38 out of 39 saves. Gudes gets drilled into the board with an elite forecheck. Um, Wings win and Nielsen gets waived. Noted hater and all-around not-nice guy Brad is probably having an aneurysm. However, this is irrefutable proof that Helm is the glue that holds it all together and allowed the Wings to extend their winning streak to one game. (laughs) Jersey time in three parts. All of you pick an NHL team that you hate the most. Hate the most? Toronto. Toronto. Love to hate Toronto. Montreal. Ooh, spicy answer. Honorable mention to the Bruins. Okay, now pick the jersey from that franchise you have to own. The Toronto St. Pats. Yeah, I'll take a St. Pats Marner jersey. Those green and white jerseys are elite. Darren Helm levels of elite. Just for you, Rohan. Green and white is a elite jersey color scheme. Evan's trying to think of which Habs jersey he wants. They've changed it. I don't know anything about their jerseys. <laughs> that old, that blue and white and red barber pole monstrosity they had like <laughs> ten years ago. Oh yes, yeah. I actually do recall them wearing that. That's what Evan picks. We pick and form. Andrew Bohan says a uh, question for my dear sweet Dub Dub boys: Are any of you surprised that the NHL was so bad at arranging things that an outdoor game had to have an eight-hour intermission between the first and second? Yeah, no. Like I said, not at all. Very on brand. Uh, Vincent Saladino says, uh, I get that this is pretty early to start thinking about it, but I was looking at the free agent class of 2021. Uh, one name got my attention, Philip Deneau. He's roughly a half point per game player. Great two way guy, good face offs, and he'll be 28 this off season. He'd be a good second line center for the time being, which is important because we need, uh, to be more competitive next year. And also someone other than Larkin who can center Raymond early to speculate, but just want to know your thoughts or if there's other guys that would be good. Keep up the good work as always. Stop giving too much money and turn to defensive specialists. We don't score. If we're thro- if we're overpaying for a center in upcoming free agency, it's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, not Philip Deneau. He's oh, a good Vince- player, but Jesus Christ, we have enough of him. Just not as good as him, to be fair. Evan, please don't leave me alone with him again. I'm back of you. I apologize. He's so angry this year. I have no trips planned at this point. So if anything happens, it'll be spur of the moment. Have you been watching the Red Wings this year, Ryan? Yeah, it's been great. They won last game. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> we won't talk about anything other than that. Anyways, Jake Nagy says watching Kill McCarr's skating and creative ability on the blue line is uh, insane. Got me thinking about how nice it would be to pair someone like that with Cider. Which defensive prospect for 2021 do you think has the highest offensive ceiling? Ooh. Because this isn't really the big offensive defenseman class. I'm going to say Brant Clark with an honorable mention to Luke Hughes. I'm still scared of Hughes. And I admittedly have not done my like in-depth analysis on the on next year's class yet. But I just worry too much that there's a want for Luke to be Quinn. He's not Quinn. They don't play the same style. But that separating that, Luke has grown on me a lot this year. Like, maybe in my top five, grown on me. The actual Terry says, yes, Brad, of course I was listening. Ryan, if you think the tree bucket bit is old, why don't you explain to your listeners who I am? Legend of North Bay, renowned hockey podcast expert, and generally speaking, better than everyone else, Terry. Yeah, a little bit, bit of background. Someone tweeted at us once. It was just a weird nonsensical take of like, is this a movie podcast? Very disappointed or something like that. And uh, 
and and he won't be listening again. <laughs> to which the phrase "Oh fuck, we lost Terry" was born. And yeah, it was fun. You guys, you guys ran with it, and it was hilarious. Uh, hockey wise, I'm already starting to burn out on this season and just stop watching uh, hockey coverage until the NHL draft. And then he has a uh, portion here where he knows I'm I. I might read it out and uh, he wanted me to read out words where I essentially proposed to Mel. So uh, I won't be doing that, but jokes on you. Uh, I every day casually ask Mel uh, if she will indeed, if she's up for a wedding that day and she constantly says no. And I do that purely so that when people like hint like, Hey, when are you guys going to, to tie the knot? I can say, Oh, Mel has turned me down multiple times. Cause I think that's really funny and uh, mortifying. That's you strike me as the type of guy who would take her to a beautiful, like, scenic spot and like pretend to tie your shoe like nine times okay no i wouldn't do i wouldn't go out of my way to do it i would not go out of my way to like actually make it seem like i was going to do it but i do often do things like in the middle of a conversation like get down on one knee and then like scrub a spot on the floor or something like that it's not completely out out of my uh my school of humor so you're not totally wrong there see i gotta get crystal to train mel because if i did that to crystal i'm in prime front kick location (laughs) oh mel's too uncoordinated she'd fall on her ass 100 (laughs) percent. she is remarkably she is so talented and handy and like does like 99 percent of anything like home reno but when it comes to athletic ability wow we are different people her and i just (laughs) She is helpless. I hope she's not listening. Uh, Michael Thompson says, roses are red, violets are blue. Warm sunshine melts the ice. Who would have knew? In other news, Franz is on waivers. Will Svetch come play in his place? Haikus are quite hard. Sinod <laughs> uh, says, uh, joke is a little out of date, uh, but this is what I think happens around the wings. Blashill says, all right, time to talk about some lines. We're going to have Nielsen and Filpula together. Good defense there. Nemestikov under his breath. Please not me. Please not me. Blash, Vlad, go ahead and center that line. Nemesnikov, cool. God damn it, I hate this place. <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. Uh, Callan S. Uh, says, did you know that Glenn Denning was good at face-offs? Callan, thank you, and also screw you. Uh, Jet Ski Guy Stan Club says, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I think it's worth repeating. Darren Helm gets over 18 minutes of ice time, and the Red Wings win. That's right. The Red Wings are now 2-0 in Brad's personal version of hell. So let's say the Red Wings wind up 3-0 in games where Darren Helm gets 18 minutes of ice time. Will you then retire the Darren Helm sucks bit? Yes. I never yes. said Darren Helm sucks. I explained this earlier in the podcast. I like Darren Helm. You have all ruined him for me. Uh, Kyle Williamson says, uh, as always, thanks for this sweet pod. How can the team deal with the logjam of potentially ready prospects on the team next year? We've been frustrated about Hiroshi, Rasmussen, etc. Now just add Chalosky, Sider, Valeno, and Berggren. More frustrations incoming? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys in Grand Rapids that the majority of the fan base, us included, are probably going to be upset are still there. I I, I don't know who. I'm not even going to venture that guess, but it, it's coming. Valeno's a great candidate for that. Berggren's a great candidate for that. Um, don't know who on the defensive side better not be Cholowski at that point, but yeah, we'll see. Will Schober says, Hey boys, been listening to the pod since the early days and just recently started, uh, with Patreon. Will, thank you for your support and thank you for tuning in for all these years. 
Uh, so you know I've finally made it big. Uh, why is it that even when the Red Wings win, it's painfully boring to watch? Now, I already know the answer. Just wanted Brad to think about Blashill's low event suffocating strategy that hopes for stellar goaltending bore- boring teams into a Red Wings win. Uh, second question all. is, do you think Holland and company running the 2019 draft would have taken Cider? I think, yeah, because Cider was the pick from the, the Holland era draft g- crew. Like, Eisenman didn't start changing the amateur scouting department until after the draft. You know, he came in April, like mid-April, and the draft was a couple months later. So, yeah, I think it's likely. Maybe Eisenman, like, said, yeah, you take uh, Cider over, you know, Zegras or whoever else. But I think it's – I think it would have happened anyways. Trevor Zegers got recalled today, by the way. Just yeah, just a, just an aside. I am excited See, to watch him. Notice how the one team in the league who scores less than the Red Wings recalled an offensive player. Weird. Uh, the Caminator says Brome for All Star. That is all. Uh, Jonathan R. Reinbold says not enough defensemen uh, playing enough games to protect the right people. No problem. We'll play seven defensemen a night. Also, hilarious moment uh, of the game was at one point they showed the faceoff stats right before an ozone draw. The Wings won the faceoff straight between the defensemen and back to their own zone. <laughs> they won it too good. Uh, Mike Lennox says, uh, hey, guys, question is, why is the ice so bad at the LCA? It's sharing the arena with the Pistons, and it's still a new building. I'm sure the ice managers are still learning the nuances and the quirks of, of that arena. Like, it's almost a living, breathing thing. And it's 10 times harder to do when you have NBA games being played on it every other night or whatever it is. So, hmm. Um, by the way, I went to the game on Friday. Very weird to be at the LCA and be one of 200 fans. It's like a beer league game. Can't wait for everyone to be back. As always, let's go Wings. Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says, Hey, guys, is it me or have the refs completely stopped refing anything but taps on the gloves? Vicious hits and cross checks go unpunished more often than not. It's like they want to roll back to the 90s hockey when it comes to brutality. How is it possible that Gudis gets away with this? Do you, do you see Derek Forbert manhandling Hoaglander? Has there been some shift in what to call or are the referees just worse than ever? I don't know what to make of this year. It's easy for stuff like this to get lost in the shuffle of a pand- pandemic, but everything comes top down. So this could just be a Department of Player Safety thing. They, hey, if you're not calling headshots, don't call headshots. So. I, I really don't know. It's I'm the cross checking is my big pet peeve with the refs right now. Like if we're going to call light taps on the hand, because that's technically a slash. Why is um a guy like, I don't know, Patrick Hornquist allowed to stand in front of the net and receive 37 consecutive cross checks from a defenseman and none of them get called. So I don't know. It's stupid. I have a uh, a tea delivery coming in right now, actually. Uh, AJ Voss says, thank you. That's not what AJ Voss said. That's what I said to Mel bringing me my tea. Uh, AJ Voss says, how would you all feel about firing just Dan Bilesma? Whole coaching staff is basically impossible right now because of the quarantine. So why not fire the guy who's responsible for the power play? They've already done the shuffling of the assistants. I'm not interested in it. I just, if you get rid of one, you get rid of them all. I'm oh, sure there might be a situation where Bilesma takes over, but nah, not for me. Yeah, that would just be weird for everybody involved to have like a replacement come in who's not part of the OG crew. Like, that's eh, uh, bad vibes. 
Conrad Lincoln, the Black Lumberjack, says, Longtime fan, I've been a Patreon member for more than a year. As your resident Black Seattleite Patreon member, are we going to get any Winged Wheel podcast do-rags or wave caps in the future? If not, will Brad wear a do-rag for an entire episode if I send it to him? Uh, if you send it to him and send him an instructional video on how to put it on, uh, I'm not sure if he'll do it. Let me actually look at our um, our merch vendor to see if that's something that we can put together because I think that'd be cool. That would be it's super like prison cool. Mike from the office. Oh my god, the Dementors. <laughs> and um would I do that? No, my hair is a problem as <laughs> you see this? I don't need to make this worse. You you just know someone will clip a picture from this these vid- uh, YouTube uh, clips and put it on Twitter and then it's oh, yeah. it's no longer yours. I've already had to change my Facebook and Instagram to private because of this podcast. So yeah, I don't need more stupid pictures of me out in the uh, internet. It's prison Brad. <laughs> uh, Conrad, are you going to stay a Red Wings fan or are you going to like split support with uh, Seattle? Because I don't know, it'd be hard for me. Like I like not me, but like if I was someone who lived in Seattle, that'd be tough. So respect to you for staying a Red Wings fan. Uh, a night in, a night in with Ryan Hanna says, uh, "Wait, we're allowed to win, and we're not last or even second last at the time of writing this. This power play though is like the movie Kazam, just terrible thing that no one should have to witness." Also, Brad, best place to send a card to get graded. Look into uh, what is it? Modern cards, BGS, vintage PSA. Um. Michael Barry says, what's your craziest off the ice change you have for the NHL? Mine is an eight team expansion to Europe while also moving Florida Panthers to Europe and the Coyotes. So 10 out of 40 teams in the NHL in Europe. Oh God, kill me. I would hate that. (laughs) I'm sorry, Michael, but that's not for me. There's, there's one I got to put a little more thought into, but I've seen it creep into the ethos. um, Tighter salary cap. But no draft every prospect is a free agent i hate the no draft it's not i, I love the it. draft too much like just as an event to get rid of it but I'm, I'm thinking of like how do you balance the nhl and like enough of the draft lottery garbage and rewarding teams that don't necessarily deserve it let teams bid on the prospects if you get it wrong you're screwing yourself, but if you get it right, like when Shane Wright comes out, if Detroit goes, what, what's the max contract and get seven years? All right, Shane, seven, seven by seven. We'll give it to you right now. Go. Like it's, you can, you can take that gamble or you could not. So it, it could be fun. Um, it's like in the, in the States when uh, all the high school kids come into colleges, it's just, everybody's at a table with all the hats lined up. I would love an event like that. Um, so I haven't really formed an opinion on whether or not I'm, I'm for or against that, but it's an interesting notion and it would create chaos, which I am usually a fan of. I like, um, I'm not sure how the MLS salary cap is completely structured, but they have designated player designation and those players don't count against the cap. I would be potentially interested in that. I haven't you know, thought about all the scenarios, but um, it could definitely help teams load up or help teams at the bottom throw a whole bunch of cash at players to try and uh, bring them up a little bit. My crazy idea, 
and this is genuinely crazy. I think it would get laughed out of most rooms. Um, no ELC is past the age of 20 years old or at all, even if you want to take it too far. Um, start like at like literally at age 20, players no more ELC restrictions. You sign them to full contracts and also move RFA rights to end way sooner than they already do. Players peak at their athletic prime from like 24 to 26. Like that is their true athletic prime. Like we're watching Prime McDavid right now. He'll still be out of this world where we can't even comprehend for years to come. But this is like probably peak athletic McDavid. Adjust salary so that matches and uh, make it harder for teams to to construct your teams. You're going to see guys move around a lot more and you're going to see teams make some hard decisions a lot more. GMs would kill me for even suggesting this. Agents would love it. How about this? We get rid of all salary uh, contracts and people just make money based on all of the statistics that are collected and that's how much they get paid. Face-off percentage only. Yeah, Luke Lendening, 14 mil a year. It's every single stat that they want to include. The the league and the PA could, you know, barter whatever they want to do. And that's how salaries are come up. They come up with them. It's a true performance business. I would like to see um, salary be attached to percentage of cap versus flat number. Because then that means as league revenues go up, a Connor McDavid's revenue goes up and it would make contract terms much more uh i think it would get shortened because now if you sign a guy to seven million for seven years but you know the cap's going to go up in four years yeah a year those last three years he might not be great but he's only going to be making x against the cap well if that's tied into the percentage that's going to make teams have to make much more shrewd decisions which could be fun but think about the billionaires brad <laughs> think about jackson hole wyoming uh last patreon comment here from quaz says i got to fly to pensacola without my back seat being occupied it was fun and also holy smokes nielsen got waved uh quaz wasn't making a euphemism there he's a pilot um reddit uh we have time for some reddit comments and possibly some twitter ask wwps own journalists uh brad i think you're gonna probably take the answer to this question says what's what went wrong with chaloski not that he's broken by any means but how did he end up from looking so good for the wings to now being in grand rapids fighting to make the team this is textbook mishandling of a prospect they rushed him they developed him poorly they healthy scratched him a bunch they sent him down at a weird time they brought him back up they sent him down they brought him back up they sent him down they he made the team the next year they sent him down again this is just textbook how to stunt a prospect's development so once he made the red wings he at best had one trip to grand rapids without breaking his confidence and they've had he's had several since then um the ideal scenario was back in the day, they make the hard decision to, even though he's playing well, start him in Grand Rapids and let him work his way up. Or once he's proven that he was good enough to play in Detroit, keep him in Detroit and teach him the defensive game at the NHL level. Either one of those options would have been better than the crap they've pulled with him. Uh, and last comment here will take us from Adaptive Centerpiece, who says, with with Nielsen on waivers, uh, who do you think will get the assistant captain patch? Is Bobby Ryan that much of a long shot? I, well, I think he's been injured, so it's easy to forget, but this seems like the wheelhouse for Tyler Bertuzzi. 
if he's back, which he's not even skating yet. Honestly, they've they've since recalled uh, Danny DeKaiser, and so the boring answer might be Danny DeKaiser. I'd love for it to be Bobby, though. Yeah, Bobby would be cool. Uh, if someone gets the interim A, yeah, any of them really matters. But like, if if this is a long term thing, it's it's Bertuzzi. Maybe Heronic. I could see Heronic. He's he is the defenseman they lean on the most. Um, Conrad, I can't stop thinking about Brad desperately trying to follow on, follow along your Durag instructional videos, and that inevitably he'll end up looking like Prison Mike, as Evan said. So I appreciate that visual so much. And with that, we're <laughs> going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone who tunes in, who supports us by subscribing on Apple Music and Spotify and Google Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. All of our uh sponsors the FanDuel Sportsbook download the app with promo code WWP uh all of our name level sponsors on Patreon Arjun Shanker uh Eve Bartel on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation Brett Bailey Terry Taylor Tadgel Ryan Hubbard RA Zach Spring Citizen High Five Cody Stark Greech Jeremiah Dobo Jake Kiefer Tyrone Biggums yeah the full name's not loading but something to do with Garp Harden gross nuggets andrew bohan scott martin jacob turner matt mckay craig kibble brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson kaylin wood hassam al-kassem hana lee sam bankson kevin mccracken zach van josh yelton another former junior goalie turned golfer trevor pevavar evans bingo card connor leighton uh, pizza pockets matt keeler stay fresh cheese bags of fornia company antonio gracias john evans joseph minima quaz and stan olson thank you all so much we we will see you on Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.